Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks, and we're continuing on with this special broadcast, uh, uh, so to speak, and uh, we're extremely honored uh, to continue this on with Liberty, and the connection, as many of you remember, is uh, Liberty is, as you listened to the first podcast, Liberty was the uh, nanny uh, for Charles and Stephanie Wesco going over to Cameroon. She had a, a front row seat. Unfortunately, she wishes she did, I'm sure. Uh, but she had a front row seat to all the activities in Cameroon. And what she went through is, is unbelievable. These are the things that PTSD is made out of. These are the things, friends, that uh, keep you awake at night, uh, what she went through. And uh, she sat there firsthand in an evacuation, a, a, a forced evacuation, getting out of the country with an ambassador involved and police escorts and, and things of that nature. And so as we wrapped up this last one, Liberty, I think we... Uh, we were just wrapping up the point of getting to the airport. Your bobby pin set you off. But before we do that, I want to start with a verse here this morning. I want you guys to meditate on this verse today when you're done with the podcast. It's over in John chapter 16, verse number 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And what tribulation uh, did Miss Liberty find? over there working as a nanny in Cameroon. And so we got to the point where they're getting on the plane, I guess, Liberty, and you mm-hmm. you get loaded on the plane. So how are you guys seated on this plane? How does, how does all that happen? Man, so that was crazy. Um, the couple of days that we were able to spend in the capital city at the Mission House, um, you know, booking tickets and everything, and they were able to kind of look at the seating arrangements and get little kids paired with the bigger kids. And thankfully we had the Sinclair's help um, and one other guy who came home uh, when we did just to help us. And um, so they were able to just figure out, you know, what little kids could sit with what big kids to be, you know. Happy. <laughs> happy and um, have somebody to take care of them. And then, uh, man, those flights, so who do you end up next to? I honestly don't remember. I think I had Steffi, and I honestly don't remember. Who Weren't you next to Stephanie was. somewhere there too? Possibly at one point, and I think we kind of switched seats. Um, okay. Depending on who needed to sit with who. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But that was that was such a blur, and I just think back of you know traveling to the capital city in the van, how. Um, you know, just randomly, anybody would start singing a song, and everybody would join in. And it seemed like there was always somebody praying. It seems like there was always someone saying verses, and just um, I think God gave a peace on the way home, just from having songs and verses, and being able to talk to God. You know, having all of those things that we were able to hold on to and understand that he was right there with us the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, you know, that's a nice vision to think about, though, even in the midst of the craziness, even mm-hmm. in the midst of the evacuation, uh, you guys are finding a song, so, and uh, you're sharing it, and someone's praying, and, and I think that's, a, that's what God expects from us, mm-hmm. and I think that 
in him we find peace, as that verse 1633 said. So you take the first flight and you end up in Paris. And, mm -hmm. and so you go from this third world country to this major rich city right. uh, teeming with it. So what happens when you guys get to Paris? So when we got to Paris, um, we had a six hour layover, which we had on the way in. But on the way in, you know, it was the excitement of going to a new country and yeah. um, starting the new life in Cameroon. On the way back, that wasn't really the case. Um, someone from the States had made it possible for us to, you know, get a couple rooms there in the airport. So some hotel so we rooms, were, mm -hmm. yeah. So we were able to, you know, take showers and I laid down on the bed for, you know, maybe five minutes to text mom or whatever. And I fell asleep. And when you're still in Paris, you still don't have the American uh, internet connection. Yeah. And so I, I didn't know what rooms the other people were in from our group. I didn't know what rooms they were staying in. So I'm in this room all by myself in the Paris airport. Uh, sleeping. Sleeping. And I fell asleep for much longer than I had planned. Thankfully, um, I knew where the room was that all the kids were in. So I was able to just find them and thankfully we weren't uh, in any hurry to leave because I was still half asleep. Um, but then, you know, we get back on the airplane and the next airplane six hours later and uh, head to America. And you land in Indianapolis somehow. Mm -hmm. We did. And, uh, and so you get to Indianapolis and I mean, that's craziness. I guess they sent a bus Mm -hmm. Did they send a bus to pick you guys up or something? They did. And there were, I mean, like all of my family members there, all of Stephanie's family members, like a lot of people there. And the first faces I saw, I was at the head of um, the line. When we actually landed in Indy, um, the pilot had made an announcement that we were to get off first um, and kind of explain the situation, which was, I don't know how the pilot knew, um, I'm guessing through the embassy. Yeah. Um, but somehow, you know, he knew that. Let us get off first. So we were able to, you know, get off the plane. And um, I was, like, leading the line of all these people. And, um, you know, just heading to the gate to get my passport checked and get out. And first faces I saw were two of my brothers. Yeah. Um, standing there waiting for me. Wow. Yeah. Sorry about us crying on this. <laughs> We're uh, those of you who listen to the podcast when Liberty cries, I'm feeding off a herd. I, uh, oh, uh, so I, I see him there, and you yeah. know, one of my brothers I wasn't expecting to be there. Wow! Just gave them um, huge hugs. Yeah. And yeah. then um, they started escorting us once everybody came through customs and everything. Um, they showed us where the rest of the group was, and I wasn't expecting the amount of people that were there waiting for us. Um, just a huge group, people were crying, and um, just seeing them was overwhelming. Um, yeah. And then seeing, you know, my parents, my grandparents. Hmm. And. So did they? Could they all come on the bus? They did. Um, some of them, I think, might have driven separately, but I think there were two buses. Wow. Uh, for all these people. <laughs> oh, goodness. And so I guess, uh, you know, not getting into the uh, exact logistics, but you 
you get back. Mm -hmm. So I, did you go back to Warsaw or did you go back to where you live? Uh, we did. So um, they dropped everybody off in Warsaw because I guess it's where they had met up. Yeah. And um, then we had to drive about an hour home Yeah. Um, to where I live. And at this point, it's, you know, it felt like 10 below. Yeah. It was so cold. And, and you're coming from 100 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. I can just remember sitting in the car just freezing and everybody's in T-shirts. And yeah. <laughs> I felt like, you know, a southerner in a northern state. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the next couple of days, just jet lag was definitely worse on the way home um, just because of everything we had been through. Yeah. I don't think I recovered from that for about a week. Um, but then shortly after getting home and unpacking and everything, um, I think I went back down to Warsaw a couple of days later um, just to spend with Stephanie and the kids. And, you yeah. know, when you go through something with somebody like that. Oh, you guys got a family. bond that's just <laughs> unbelievable. So, yeah. and I guess Stephanie's staying with her parents at this point. Mm -hmm. And, uh, boy, their lives must be upside down. And, and, I mean, what are your memories of this? What is your your initial memories? You, you cool off at your house. Obviously, mm -hmm. you're... Your mom, your dad, your family has a million questions. You get home, yeah. you you sleep probably for what seemed like five minutes and it was 10 hours or something. Yeah. And, and then you finally decide, I'm going back to Stephanie and the kids. And mm -hmm. wh what's your memories when you got to back to Warsaw? What was so um, it was partly just um, being there for Stephanie and the kids um, and just you know being a friend to them. But then also I can just remember how many people worked constantly at the house um, obviously getting everything arranged for the funeral that would happen and um, just I mean honestly there were people there all the time and it seemed like there was never a break for anybody you know yeah. and I can attest to when I first met Stephanie and uh, Liberty and stuff <laughs> yeah. at Stephanie's house there was at least three families, maybe four, that stopped by the first two hours I was mm -hmm. there. So it sounds like that's what was going on right then in November when you first got back. Right. So, I mean, everybody was just trying to be a blessing, and that was yeah. great, you know. Um, but for for us, it was kind of like, okay, you know. Leave us alone. Thank you so much, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, we need, we need some alone time. Um, but it was just, you know, I was there to still be with Stephanie and the kids since... You know, I was there when everything happened. Yeah. So so what started being different in your life? I mean, you went through, obviously, you lost one of your best friends, your youth pastor, who was always, you know, your pastor, a leader to you, someone whom you loved. And, and then you're dealing with what's left, uh, which is a big left, uh, you know, his kids and his wife. And what's, yeah. is there something you want to share that's going through your mind that people would go through that went through something like that? Yeah, so honestly for me, um, at this point, we were done with work. Um, I work at a seasonal greenhouse. And so that was done at the end of October. And I was just like, I guess I was more the um, get up and go, like I needed something to do. Yeah. And I didn't want to sit at home all day and do nothing. And so I was literally like, okay, is there anything I can do at work? So a couple of days I would go into work and... Um, just cut back plants and just, you know, spend time talking to God. Yeah. And, you know, so many verses would come to mind um, and songs that we would sing on the way home. 
and just really looking back on the drive home, that was a precious time yeah. um, to be able to, you know, sing and say all those verses. Um, but then just remembering that when I was in the greenhouse working by myself, yeah. um, just really being able to meditate on all those things and um, realize that God was there with us the whole time. He protected us getting out and um, that he, he never did, he never left us. Yeah. And so how was your sleep? Uh, sleep was pretty much non-existent. I was not getting very good sleep at all. Seems like I would go to sleep and then, you know, I'd be having a nightmare. And I think a lot of my nightmares were secondhand. Um, yeah, we had talked about was, that. Yeah. It was from things I had heard. Um, and, and just to clarify, secondhand nightmares is, you know, Liberty was with obviously Stephanie and Pastor Sinclair and Charles who had been right there and Charles Jr. who had been right there when the incident occurred and and Liberty and, and Stephanie are, are the best of friends and so you know I, I would guess you probably heard that story uh, of what exactly happened a hundred times before you got home. Yeah so I knew that um, Stephanie obviously needed somebody to talk to and tell to get it off her chest. Yeah. And so I was just taking it in and not really thinking about it um, until we got home. Then I realized everything she told me was, I was creating scenarios in my mind. You could visualize um, it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Even even in my sleep, I mean, I was having nightmares. And I guess the way I pictured the accident happening, happening um, like I have the whole thing played out in my mind. Um, obviously, I don't know if that's how it actually happened, but from what she told me, and it's not her fault. I mean, she needed to tell somebody. Um, but I just had those secondhand nightmares of um, just what my mind had made up. And so sleep was very little. I'd wake up and just honestly be awake for hours, just not being able to get back to sleep. And then, I, now was it therapeutic to be back with Stephanie and the kids? It was. Honestly, I didn't really like the days when I was home. Um, not that I don't like my family or anything. No, no, I get that. Um, but yeah. just going um, from living two weeks with these people and becoming family um, to then not seeing them for a couple of days, I was like, okay, I need to see them again. I need to go back down there. So definitely, you know, even though there was people there all the time and it was never quiet, we were together. Yeah. So these, so the, the Wesco kids, just great kids. And, you know, um, Liberty's like, a, almost like a much older sister or an aunt or to some of them. And I mean, you know, Charles and Daniel unmercifully pick on Liberty. <laughs> and, uh, but, and so I guess what was, you know, what was your attitude like with your family and friends at that time? I mean, were you short? Were you uh, yeah. sick of answering questions? I mean, I what? was. Um, I, I'm just going to be honest, I didn't even go to church the first Sunday, getting yeah. back. Um, just the questions that I had gotten from my own family, and they weren't, you know, trying to be hard on me or anything. Um, I was tired of answering their questions. And so going to church seemed like something that just couldn't happen. Um, so I think I might have watched a live stream of a service that day. Yeah. But I... I didn't want to, I was, <laughs> in a way, I was tired of people. 
I was tired of talking to people. I was tired of being around people. Um, and honestly didn't want to, didn't want to go to church for that reason. Cause I knew, you know, I'd be, I'd break down crying at the thought of sure. anything. Um, so, you know, it eventually got better and I really only like, you know, has been said, I really only told mom this before and, um, you know, she was helping me out with it. Yeah. But yeah. And your mom is a total problem solver. I mean, she, she could, have, she could be a problem solver for like the government if they got their <laughs> heads together. Uh, and so I know that she's the type of person who would uh, constantly want to be helping you and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and things of that nature. And, and, and so then months go, so I guess the next thing on this whole, the next major spiritual or non-spiritual or whatever it was, is all the missionaries from Cameroon Mm-hmm. Uh, to include you guys, you all head down to Louisiana. Right. So we head da- we headed down to Louisiana. To South um, to Southland Christian Camp. Mm-hmm, yeah. For camp for a week, um, and it was it was honestly really good to see all of them again because even the missionaries, not the missionaries we stayed at their house, but other missionaries that we had seen there, they yeah. were able to make it to the camp, um, and we all just got together and, you know, prayed. Continuously for Cameroon and for revival to happen there. Yeah. And then just to be with the people that you went through something with was a huge blessing. And that was like a therapy to you. It was. And a couple times I would just sit down um, and just, you know, talk it out with people and... Yeah. um, So you've got like a bond. It's almost like a... I I guess, folks, what I'm trying to say here is there's a bond like in military people who go through junk. Mm-hmm. And and that's exactly what Liberty and the West Coast and the other missionaries there in Cameroon have this. It's like a band of uh, people who've been hurt. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it's it's like you got this band of these people who've been through junk and have experienced these things. And so, so what would you say was the was that the best thing that came out of Southland? Was your time there that week there at camp? I think so. That was. That was definitely a great week. Um, it was encouraging, and um, you know we heard messages every day. The messages I still have, you know, yeah. in a notebook somewhere. Um, yeah. But just hearing those messages and realizing what God can actually do through something like this. Yeah. And another, I mean, another encouraging thing was that we were hearing people being saved all over the world from hearing of the death of Charles. And, and folks, there's no hyperbole there whatsoever. I've, I have personally been reported to for thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And even back then, so in the timeline there, you're talking about January 2019. And as the word of this missionary who was sold out for God, who was uh, shot and killed, uh, moved around in his life and his ministry, and his family left behind, uh, so many people have got saved. We know of uh, a person, and, and this is how God uses trials in our lives, I think, friends, is uh, we know of a missionary in Panama uh, mm-hmm. and south of there who works with these refugees. And uh, he had reported, literally, it was over a 1,000 back in April or May of 2019, just in those refugee camps. And what... Uh, what Liberty's talking about is people actually in Cameroon or in the United States and uh, Pastor Ben Sinclair, missionary Ben Sinclair was going to Bible colleges and uh, was reporting into churches and, 
and and folks were just uh, getting saved, and, and that's helpful. And so then you go home from there. Uh, we met somewhere along the way. Is mm -hmm. you know just being you don't have to answer some of these things, but do you still deal with some of this stuff, Liberty? I do. Yeah, um, different times. Um, you know, just talking about Charles isn't bad until I really start yeah. to think about everything um, yeah. and everything that he taught me. Um, just thinking back to when he was my youth pastor, yeah. um, you know, he was always so encouraging, you know, to help us learn verses. And I wasn't a big verse learner and I was kind of shy and I didn't want to say them yeah. to my leader. Um, but the way he made it fun. He was always, um, yeah. he was always, you know, making it fun for everybody and really just showing us the importance of learning verses and hiding God's word in your heart. And I yeah. think that was a big thing, you know, coming home, having all of those verses memorized, being able to say them over and over again and realizing that it was because of him that I did learn all those verses. So I think it continues on, friends. Um, you know, if you do the right things, if you help people, if you care about someone in your youth group, if you love somebody, mm -hmm. and are there certain triggers besides hearing about Charles? Are there certain things that that take you right back to October? Yeah. Um, so Fourth of July last year was hard. Um, that was Fourth of July is my favorite holiday. My yeah. name is Liberty, so that kind of just goes. Yeah. Um, but Greatest name ever. Yeah. <laughs> just hearing you know, the fireworks um, in the distance. And, you know, we obviously got as close as we could to them to see them, but you still hear the um, the sound is delayed. Yeah. So you hear the bang after. Like the gunshots you heard coming right. up that hill. And that just kind of brought all that back. So even now, like, I could shoot a gun perfectly fine, but hearing a gun being shot in the distance just really brings back the memories of, you know, trying to get the kids to safety and um, being in that dangerous spot. And then also the secondhand memories. Yeah. And I, and I guess folks, you know, we're, we're so thankful to Liberty to share these three podcasts with us and just take these three mornings and, and set them aside so that, that you could listen to them. But you never know what people have went through. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could run into Liberty to tomorrow morning and meet her and have no idea what Liberty's been through. And so as you look at people today, as you as you get around, remember that peace comes from God. That verse we started with in the book of John, chapter 16, I believe it was verse 33. And find your peace in God and, and treat people good. Be kind. Uh, I don't know about you, but these three podcasts that we just did uh, represent to me a history of uh, what she went through prior to Cameroon, Cameroon, coming home. Life's not easy, folks. Listen, if you've been through something, we want to help you. You know, uh, Liberty still deals with uh, some flashbacks and still deals with some of the things today, and you may too. But listen, God's big enough to help you. We want to be your friends. We want to counsel with you. We sure do love you folks, and we thank you for taking the time to listen to us. And if you think about it, say a prayer for Liberty today, and, uh, and we'll say a prayer for you guys. If we could help you, find us out on Hope for Wounded Spirits, or Help for Wounded Spirits, I'm sorry. And uh, we'd love to talk to you, but uh, may God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. 
for helpful resources and to help continue this podcast. Visit us at woundedspirits.com. <laughs>